0: Mapt gone 2022, we are live, we are here, we are ready to rock and roll. Hello, and welcome to The pre Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. We have Dr. Jeff Polish. Storytelling is a powerful tool to support deeper and more meaningful relationships. But how do we tell good stories? That is the question. Why should you care about stories on your path to becoming a physician? I'm so excited to chat with this guy today because I love (laughs) stories. In this session, we're going to talk with Dr. Jeff Polish, storytelling coach and founder of the nonprofit storytelling organization, The Monty in Durham, North Carolina. Dr. Polish co-led a course on storytelling in medicine and health at duke university dr jeff polish welcome to MapsCon. thanks for being here well thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here yeah sorry for some technical hiccups there to to start but uh we're here and we're ready to rock and roll um uh,
1: let's let's do it let's do it
0: so i i first want want to to make sure everyone knows that phd you're a science nerd like us Oh, yeah. How does a oh, like. science nerd who has a degree in molecular cell biology go, you know what? I don't want to look at microscopes anymore. I'm going to talk about storytelling. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, graduate school was brutal. <laughs> it, was, it was so brutal. Um, but I will uh, – here's here's a little bit of my origin story, okay? So I was in graduate school. Uh, I'm working in a genetics lab, and every Thursday we had to attend the um, – the noon seminar. Anybody that's been in science departments knows there's like noon seminar. They fly in some hotshot scientist and you know they're gonna put them up in a hotel and you know they're gonna try to collaborate with, you know, different professors and whatnot, and then they deliver this talk. So I would go every Thursday to this noon seminar. And on this one particular day, I'm I I get there a little late there's one seat left in the room. It's like in the back corner where my left shoulder is touching the sidewall, my right shoulder's touching the back wall, my head is nestled in that intersection of drywall. And the talk begins, and a few minutes go by, and I am lulled into the most exquisite sleep you could possibly imagine. I think we've all been there, haven't we? Yes. Where we've been in some talk, <laughs> some lecture, and it's just like snooze, snooze fest. Snooze fest, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure how much time went by when, you know, somebody hit me on the knee because apparently you, you didn't my... measure
0: by how much drool was there.
1: <laughs> and believe me, there was. But <laughs> but my posture was in such a way where like there was a little bit of an obstruction of airflow, so I was making gurgling sounds. I was told, and it was disruptive. And somebody hit me on the leg, and I startled awake. And everybody was laughing except for my mentor. Yeah, and um, I was just like sitting there, like you know, I don't, it didn't have to be this way. (laughs) I've I've fallen asleep so many times in these talks. And, you know, here is a person sitting in front of the room, standing in front of the room, talking about their life's work, their passion, right? Mm. And this person couldn't even get me to care. You know, like, if you're telling me about the thing that you've dedicated your life to, can't you make me care? Mm. And that was a turning point, because, you know, I've, I've suffered this fate many times, but that was a moment where I was like, you know, I know exactly how to make people care. Like I've been telling stories my whole life and I kind of knew how I could help that person. And so, like I said, grad school was brutal and I decided that my talents were better, you know, utilized in helping people to communicate rather than sitting at a research bench Let's face it, failing my experiments <laughs> most of the time. I mean, I good enough to get my degree after eight years, eight years, eight, eight, um, eight long years, eight long years. But uh, you know, I was like, this this inspires me more. Mm. is helping people to communicate to tell their story to make people care about the things that they care about yeah so that's that's my origin story I, I, Put me I, in I the love you
0: I, I love the origin story everyone has a comic book number one uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> edition but but Jeff I mean come on molecular cell biology. That can't be interesting. How how does someone make something that most people would consider boring interesting with stories?
1: Well, because every every question in the scientific realm, you know, every question about biology whether it's molecular or it's, you know, bigger. There it starts with a problem. Mm. And every great story um is accompanied by a healthy dose of conflict. And so there is a problem. And I'm going to tell you what that problem is, tell you why it's important and why you should care about it, even if it's just molecules. Mm -hmm. Why does it matter? If I can convince you of that, then I've pulled you into my world. And then I can tell you how, how it is we're going about trying to solve that problem. It is the exact same thing as me trying to convince you why it's important that i climb everest or why i you know take on this challenge or that challenge or whatever yeah. every story in order to be engaging is accompanied by
0: conflict and science is filled with conflict lots, filled with it. Lots. I mean, the last two years give us a, a, a kind of oh, a yeah. dose of, of that conflict in, in science. So I, I'm a huge fan. I learned. So I, I started my podcast and everything that I do back in 2012, I think it was 2014 or 2015 when I learned about the hero's journey and mm. I was sold on storytelling and the hero's journey from that point forward. So, I'm a huge fan of storytelling and the impact that it can have. We talk a lot about it with students with their medical school applications on how to tell that story, to engage the reader, to connect a a person. I always always talk about kind of sitting around the campfires and that's how we spread our tradition through the years before the written word and all, all of that amazing stuff. But for, for the audience watching right now, these are future physicians, maybe future PAs, future podiatrists, whatever they are watching this right now. They go, great, I want to be a doctor, not a storyteller. How do those two mesh together?
1: Oh, oh my God I, I, by the way, we don't have enough time for me to really get into it Good we'll have, we'll have you back on We'll have you back on the pre- mid years to talk about it but i'll give you I'll give you the the basic rundown. first of all, storytelling exists on so many levels like why is it important for anyone, whatever field you're going into to be a better storyteller slash communicator? because I mean, everybody needs or should be. Should have the ability to be persuasive, to be engaging, to be relatable. I mean, you said it yourself um, medical school applications, essays. You know, why should you care about me applying to medical school? Why should you let me into your medical school? So important on every level. And it doesn't just end with the application process. I mean, it's like first dates, job interviews, you know, all that. Um, But you know and so we're talking about like me being able to share a story with somebody and for you being pulled into that n- nobody ever tells a great story in an empty room mm. right it doesn't it doesn't exist you can't you can't just tell a story to no one the story telling process requires a listener right and there is something magical and somewhat You know, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's mystical in a way. There's something that happens between a teller and listener. And so, like, imagine if, like, I'm telling you a story and I'm seeing you being engaged and relating to it. Well, then it emboldens me. It empowers me, okay? And the listener, at the same time, is listening and being like, oh, my God, like, that's interesting, but also... The characters in that story, I can interchange people in my life in that story. I'm relating to, that's me. This person is me. And while the actual distance between teller and listener remains unchanged, the virtual distance between the speaker and the listener is reduced to practically zero. And at the end of that sharing of uh, the story, there has been a moment created where, where we are connected in a way that we weren't prior to that. So imagine in a therapeutic setting where a doctor walks into a, um, a room in a hospital and um, they have an opportunity to look at a chart. There's a patient in a bed, let's say, but they can look at a chart and they can assess what's wrong uh, and what the um, the diagnosis and also what the treatment is without even talking to that patient. But if they do that, they're ignoring the most important element in the room and that is the humanity, right? This person is vulnerable. There's anxiety. They probably have done research on that physician and they know that person is competent and that they heal their body. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there's also another part of the body and that is the mind. Yeah. That is the emotion. And the physician or the the healthcare provider has the opportunity to really connect with the patient, make them feel like they're being heard, making space for the suffering. And that relationship, if it is, it goes in a positive direction can be so therapeutic and helpful to the vulnerable person laying in that bed. And, it is important to tend not only to the body and the failings of the body, but also to the mind and the humanity that is also in at stake in that room. Yeah.
0: How much does, as you're mentioning that, the, the thing that comes to mind for me as a physician, being at the bedside of patients uh, in, in the past, how much of compassion and empathy are involved in the storytelling that? providers are are doing? I think it is so,
1: so important. You know, um, so I I have a brief little story that really kind of answers this question. The storyteller
0: has a story? Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, my father-in-law, about 10 years ago, uh, he had a colonoscopy. And I won't get into the details, but about a week later, like he had some complications that, you know, stemmed from that colonoscopy. Um, he had a bleeding in his, his large intestine. He had to be taken to the hospital. I found out about this the next morning that happened at night. I found out about this the next morning. And he lives in Greensboro, which is about a, an hour from Chapel Hill where I live. And um, so I went, you know, given I have this weird job of like story guy, I... I have a flexible schedule. So I drove to Greensboro and um, I went into the hospital and you know I was kind of wondering what it would be like to visit him in this hospital room. but I remember walking into the room. I stood by the entrance to the to the um, to the room. my mother-in-law was in a chair, you know on her iPad. my father-in-law was in the bed on an iPad, and he looked up and saw me standing at the door and he, Started crying, like weeping, sobbing. And my mother in law in the chair was just like, Oh God, here we go. And she stood up. She's like, I'm going to the cafeteria. And then she thanked <laughs> me for coming and she walked out. And she's, a, she's wonderful, by the way. But like, she didn't have any time for this. Okay. Uh, and I had all the time in the world for this. You know, so I went over to his bed. I sat down and we talked and he told me everything in the 12 hours that had passed since he was admitted to the hospital and me showing up, he got excellent medical care. Um, there was a course of treatment that was put into play. He was going to be fine. His wife brought all the creature comforts to him in the hospital room, but the thing that didn't exist for him until that moment was this empathy somebody that was willing to open and create a space for him to talk about what this was doing to him, Mm -hmm. what this really meant to him, you know, him feeling mortality, you know, in a way that he hadn't felt before prior to this moment. And he knew me as a person that can keep that space open for him. Now, if you took this persona that, you know, I have in his life, And you added it to the healthcare provider, that he would have had that already. You know, he would have had that need taken care of. But instead, he was suffering silently in a bed with a, with a, um, with a laptop on, you know, with a um, with a with an iPad on his lap. And then I walk in and I'm able to fill that role for him. But I think that it's so important for our healthcare providers to be able to fill that space yeah. that clearly exists for people that are vulnerable. Huge. Huge.
0: Yeah. I, I'll tell my own quick little story here. I, yeah. uh, back in 2014, had a, a health scare. We thought I had MS for a little while. I... Uh, my wife is a neurologist. uh, And so we went to uh, Harvard where she was training and we got in and saw the the specialist. And he, I'm sure is a wonderful physician, zero empathy, zero compassion, all data is here's the data. Here's what the data says to do. Here's your data points. Here's what I would recommend. And it's like, okay, great. Thanks. Uh, and it wasn't until like a month or two later where I was able to see the physician that my wife really wanted me to see. She was out on maternity leave and I, I went and saw her and just, Complete 180 from, from this original person. I'm I'm sitting there going, I don't know what my life's gonna look like. I don't know if, if I'm gonna wake up one morning and not be able to move, if I have new MS lesions, whatever, right? Uh all, all this stuff going on in my head that I really couldn't reconcile. My wife's a neurologist, so I could potentially talk to her, but it's not the same because she's my wife. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I saw this other physician who just exuded empathy and And it wasn't until, and I'll remember it to the to till, till the day I die, getting up to leave that appointment uh, after meeting with her and, and it will it, choke me up now her her putting her hand on my shoulder, yeah. on my arm and saying it'll be okay, right? Just that moment right there. I was like, finally, like i was I've been waiting for someone to to tell me the story that my life is gonna be okay. Right. And, yeah. and that made a huge difference to me to, to finally have someone just recognize the fact that I didn't know if I was going to be OK for a while. Uh, and obviously I'm I'm okay now. So, uh, she made it come true. Um, so it's, it's a perfect
1: story that illustrates this whole thing. It's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So again, let's, let's try to bring it back to the the students listening to this because uh, oftentimes I hear, well, I'm not a good storyteller. I'm not a good writer. I, this is just not a, a thing that I'm, I was born with. Do you have to be born with it or can you learn it? Oh, you
1: can definitely learn it. Yeah, There is a mechanism to storytelling and we can, we can learn that I teach it all the time. Yeah. Um, there is the difference between someone who understands the construct of a great story and someone who understands how to take that to a more artistic level. You know, I mean, we have our you know, authors, we have our filmmakers, and we have our great storytellers. And what makes somebody great um, at what they do is that they are able to be extremely artistic in their in their expression. But everyone has the ability to be competent, um, engaging, and relatable and to ultimately pull people towards them in the virtual way to create a connection between human beings that will make people care about what they're saying, who they are, and why they they do the things that they do. And that is the goal of storytelling.
0: Yeah. Everyone can learn it. Everyone can learn it. What is yeah. the, the first thing that a student should be doing to, to start to maybe even just appreciate the art of storytelling before they decide to start learning about it? <sighs>
1: Well, I think that awareness of the the stories that we hear on a daily basis is really important to understand, you know, the mechanism that is going on behind, you know, every story that they hear. Like, what I mean is that stories are not naturally occurring. Mm. They are creations by people. You know, life experiences are you know, they are naturally occurring. We go through the world, but a story is a, an interpretation. Mm. It is, it is not just the thing that happened. I mean, I could tell you, you know, the thing that happened at the grocery or that going to the grocery store, nobody would care. Yeah. But if I tell, told you something that I'm interpreting in a meaningful way that happened at the grocery store then it becomes you know much greater than the thing that happened it is now a meaningful thing every great story out there has a me- meaning at the core yeah. and if if everyone listening and watching right now starts just just starts by you know being a little bit more of a critical thinker when they're w- watching that Netflix you know binge worthy show. They realize that the the characters just said that, or the characters just did that because we're, they're trying to build something that has meaning and I'm pulled into it. Not because, you know, it's, it's just a random thing. I'm being pulled in because somebody created um, a work of art that is created to draw me in. Yeah. To engage me, to, make me think of my own story that is helping me to connect with this story. Um, These aren't, it's hard work, but it is all deliberate.
0: Yeah. And and I love that intentionality of reading something, watching something, trying to maybe deconstruct what, what is this story that, that is being told here? Why is the director, why is the author doing this specific thing why did they show this camera angle why did they use this dialogue in this way i i love trying to understand things from that point of view because then it it helps my own storytelling as i go so yeah,
1: absolutely and and you know that's the thing is like people say to me all the time oh i love that story yeah why yeah Let's let's really break it down because unless we do that, we'll never get better ourselves. Exactly exactly what you're saying.
0: And 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 again, relating it to this specific audience, the the thing that that I teach, right, that our uh, that we teach is storytelling through the personal statement, storytelling through the medical school interview. And a lot of times, the pushback that we get is, "Well, I'm just I'm not unique. I I'm not special. I don't have a story." to tell. And and one of the biggest things is is going back to what you just said about that that perspective, that uh, interpretation. I said the the usual line that I give is I can send 10 people to watch go watch the same movie and they all come back with 10 different takeaways, 10 different experiences because of the life that we have led up until that point, everything that we take in, all of the senses that we take in, are being filtered and interpreted based on our own life story. Can, can you talk about how that can impact the the life of a doctor based on, on who they are and where they've come from? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, if you are a
1: healthcare provider, a physician, and you walk into a room, I mean, they first of all, we are, no matter what room you walk into and who's, who's in the room, um, you have more in common with them than not common with them. Mm. I mean, you, we're, we're, we're all people that came from a family broken or otherwise functional or, you know, but we all know what it's like to struggle, to strive for something, to want something, to love, to lose, um, to succeed, to fail, Like we, it's very, very easy to walk into any room and to be able to find the common thread between human beings, even if you come from different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, you know, countries of origin, etc. We still are all people that are striving for very similar things thematically. Right, and if we can find those common themes and we can connect on those levels, I think that really helps that doctor-patient uh, relationship. And look, it's not about when we say storytelling in medicine, we're not necessarily saying, um, uh, "Oh, I'm going to come in and tell you a story," or <laughs> "You're going to tell me a story." And then we are exchange stories. And we're no, it's it's really about being able to listen Mm -hmm. and to connect and get closer to one another. And at the end, the, um, the patient feels that they are uniquely cared for by their healthcare provider, that there was a moment that existed in that room. They may see two dozen other patients today, the doctor, but I'm special to them or they care about me. And I think that is just vital to creating a therapeutic partnership um, and for someone to feel confident that they are being cared for as they move forward in this very vulnerable space. Yeah,
0: it it always reminds me of the Mother Teresa quote. I I think it's her quote about uh, a, a patient, right? Someone doesn't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And so That's just, so yeah. just having that difference and, and the listening part, I'm so glad you brought it up. Cause I was, I was getting ready to bring it up about how much does listening, uh, impact this, this ability to do storytelling, to build that connection with the patient. And I, I think the last data that I saw was a doctor interrupts a patient uh on average about six seconds into a patient starting to to talk and that's like like we just got to learn to shut up and listen unfortunately it it, we don't have a lot of time as as physicians to do that
1: yeah and that that there is the push and pull there right Mm -hmm. Uh, i have to see this many patients and in this amount of time so i can't can't spend, you know, this, you know, but, but there are ways, you know, you talked earlier about the hand on the, on the arm Mm -hmm. or the shoulder and, and then the simple, you know, statement that was made by that physician that gave you so much comfort, which is it's going to be okay. You know, you don't have to say much to communicate much, to communicate a lot or something that's meaningful. And that is what we need to, you know, really tend to is help. It, it, it doesn't take long for people to feel that they're cared for, you know, and, um, you know, I think that it's, it's important that we give ourselves as healthcare providers, future physicians and healthcare providers, the, the space to let people know that we hear them, that we value them and that we care, you know? And I think that that's, such a big part of observing our our patients
0: yeah that's it's huge it's huge huge um all right i want to open it up to some questions students uh, everyone watching you can learn more com, and uh is it themonti.org um themonti.org themonti.org yeah. m-o-n-t-i can, yep i can, can see, see right behind you our, there yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because uh, in medical school, I went to medical school at New York Medical College, and one of the hospitals that we rotated at was was we called it Monty uh, for Montefiore um, oh. Hospital. So I I, I love Monty. <laughs> so Excellent. The Monty dot org to go learn some more from Doctor Jeff Polish, uh, science nerd turned storyteller, which is awesome. <laughs> Um, I I want to know. I, I want you to build it into your your storytelling later about how much drool was there. I think that'll that'll add a, a layer oh of of comfort for students. So my, it makes people it
1: it it puts people off when I tell them the answer <laughs> to that. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs>
0: too much, too much. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so first question, Tasnim. How do we stray? Oh away from writing cliche stories or how do we create a story that draws in readers? It's a bit abstract. Yeah. So how do you avoid the cliche? The uh,
1: cliches are, you know, there's, there's a balance because you know, I've, I've said many times the word relatability, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like when I share a story um, it's important that other people can can identify their stories mm. as they're listening to that story. So there's a commonality. Yeah. Um, and there's a common experience that we've all shared. But the drawing in its reader happens from the very first line. Number one, like, you know, we could say things like, I moved to, I moved to Durham, North Carolina 10 years ago. Let me, let me just, that's contextual, and it's probably important for certain stories. Um, but it should not be your first line. Mm. You know, that's uh, that doesn't make us excited. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you um, that starting with something compelling, like an active moment, something active, something conflict-ridden is a great way to draw in your reader, your listener, your viewer, etc. cetera. Um, explaining things giving information while important, you want to make sure that you are measured in how much explaining you do in any personal statement, because it's like, there's a, there's a invisible stopwatch that starts when you're writing expositionally, you know, like explaining things. And if you're doing that for too long, people are going to tune out. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about the best opening line I've ever heard in a story. Yeah, um, And this is it. It was happening at a workshop. Somebody stood up and said, I never believed in ghosts mm. until my dead father showed up at my sister's wedding. Wow. I mean, it's <laughs> mysterious. It's like, oh my God, is this is a ghost story. It's a promise. Like we're going to see the ghost in the story. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Now, an alternative opening line to that story could have been my sister got married three years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably important, mm-hmm. but it's not engaging me. So it was open with something like a hook, something that really draws people in. And then you've got them and now you can, you can bring us through. But everything, you, you need to always look at, am I capitalizing on
0: the narrative, the things that happened, or am I explaining too much? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge. And and I often will leave feedback because students love to get into explaining things. The the feedback that that we often give is this this is all true, right? You're explaining this thing, it's true, but it has nothing to do with you. Right. This yeah. is your personal statement. And and this has nothing to do with you. It's just you explaining your understanding of something. Yeah. Um, and then the the one thing that I often talk about with cliches, cause our our students are often doing a lot of the same things. They're they're shadowing doctors, they're getting clinical experience, yeah. putting this stuff right. around patients is common doesn't equal cliche. Right. That's a a very common misconception of like, well, I can't write about this because everyone does that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to that whole interpretation thing of you have to tell it through your lens of life. and, And that's what makes it your story. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Next question. Amelia, any tips for conquering things like social anxiety when trying to make connections and tell a story? great question you know
1: i mean that's that's a it's an awesome question, and the thing is that you know I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, picture everyone in the room naked like that's
0: <laughs> I, I
1: don't it works I, I'm picturing you naked
0: right now. you
1: got some nice big shoulders there <laughs> thank you, thank you very much um, so i you know there i I was an extremely shy kid. Like I grew up like with few friends because I had a lot of social anxiety, and the way that I was able to overcome that and become a person who is commonly on stage in front of hundreds of people um, is I just put myself out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that's not the one little catch all thing that you can, that, Oh my God, now I don't have social. No, it's not something that we can just get over in one moment. It's something that if we give ourselves the space to, you know, to practice Mm -hmm. and to work on this, then over time, the social anxiety, um, you know, will decrease. And of course, you know, like what helped me is that I realized that my stories mattered to people. Yeah. That the stories that I was telling really did have an impact on people. And it helped me to realize that I have value in a way that I didn't quite appreciate, you know, prior to, you know, putting myself, you know, my, my one foot forward at a time. Yeah. So it just takes time and practice and, and, and just, a b- one bold step at a time.
0: Yeah. One, one thing I like to try to tell students is to try to reframe it a little bit that kind of stress and anxiety physiologically is almost exactly like excitement. And so instead of going, oh, what, what are these feelings I'm having? I'm, I'm anxious, I'm scared, mm. right? Potentially reframing it to go, oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to go up on stage. I'm excited to share my story. I'm excited yeah. to w- insert whatever here. And, and potentially using that excitement, uh, it was funny, I was messaging this with someone earlier, using that as a compass to go, why am I stressed, anxious, excited to do this thing it must mean it's something good and using it Mm -hmm. as a compass and go towards it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people are nervous about being vulnerable, which they feel is risky. Yeah. Uh, If I reveal too much, I will open myself up to rejection. And, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of things, you know, a lot of, Evidence to support that that might be the case, but more often than not, if you, if you reveal yourself, it draws people closer to you. And uh, it's, it's incredible to see that night after night on the stage that I produce at the Monty, um, people will reveal things that are so tender and feel so risky, but the, but the result is is so much acceptance and so much love from from people who are listening. Yeah. And um, I think that's a wonderful thing. I wish we were less afraid to reveal our true selves because I think it would transform our our society. Yeah. Um, that's my my mission in life is to move the <laughs> dial on that.
0: Move the dial. We, we got to you know. start with uh, stop stop portraying only our best selves on social media. Like show, oh my show God, the real. That, Show the I real hate stuff. That. Yeah, yeah. That's that's normal life, though. You you uh, have have an argument with your spouse or your kids. You walk outside, the neighbors there. How are you doing? Oh, great, right? Nobody's gonna say I'm doing terrible. I just had a, a, an argument right. with my wife, and we didn't sleep in the same room, and blah, blah, whatever, right? Nobody's gonna, unfortunately, talk about that kind of stuff. There's a time and a place for there everything. Is. There is. Yeah. Awesome. More cool. questions. Mashika, medical school applicants are all answering the same question: Why do you want to be a doctor? How do I make my version feel different to those who read it? And, you know, it's um, it's exactly back to
1: that, um, that point that we've made a few times, which is the interpretation, um, my own personal take on it. I mean, so I, I sometimes, you know, use this little example. Like, imagine that two people are are in a car accident, not not fatal. Let's not get too dark here, okay? They're in a car accident and everyone's fine, but afterwards, you know, the police show up and they ask for the narrative. You know, both of them, both people in the accident need to um, explain accurately the what happened, the narrative. And it's kind of like, we're all like, why do we want to go to medical school? Like, it's just, we all want the same thing. And it's a, the, the same thing that we're after. But, you know what that accident meant to each person and how they walk away from it is where the magic of storytelling actually lives. Yeah. It's like for me, it made me want to call my sister, whom I haven't spoken to in two years, because we had a silly fight. but like this accident made me really think that there's no time to waste, yeah you know, and then the other person was kind of like, "Well, I need to." you know, like, um, you know, be more cautious and now it's that the story for them becomes like, you know, not being, being more alert, more aware. And so two people experience the same thing, but they walk away with completely different like motivations and interpretations and what's the next step. And that is what you really need to find is your own personal journey. You said it at the very beginning. What's your hero's journey? Yeah. What's your origin story? What led you to this place? And what do you want to accomplish through your practice of medicine? That is where your unique story is exists. Yeah.
0: So one of the things, specifically for the personal statement, where, where I talk a lot about where this kind of unique interpretation comes from is is at least on how we explain the personal statement, is the reflection, right? What did this thing mean to you? Mm -hmm. Being able to explain to the reader, I just told you an interaction with a patient that was meaningful to me. That interaction may be very, very, very similar to lots of other students out there, but that reflection is where you own it and make it your own. No question. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I think we got time for one more question with Dr. Jeff polish again you can find more at jeffpolish.com or themonty.org. jacob asks how can you comfort a patient without giving them unrealistic expectations about their care yeah how do, how does story come into comfort here well i think
1: that it really comes down to um, the empathy mm-hmm. and the and the connection you know like they you, you sometimes physici- physicians can't make promises mm-hmm. right but they can assure you that you care about them and that you are in it together i mean the worst thing that a physician to do is to make their patient feel alone yeah and you know i might not know how this procedure is going to turn out there sometimes aren't hard You know, or easy answers to that, but I can let you know that I care about the outcome just like you do, and I'm going to do my very best to 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 help you know the turn you know turn the dial so that you know the outcome is in all everyone's best. Interests so that we we have a favorable outcome, yeah, and that is really that the best thing that we can do is to connect and let you know that we're in it together, and you are not alone because I'm with you. It's a therapeutic relationship, and we're on a journey together. Yeah,
0: one of the the biggest kind of secrets that uh, I, I just made up <laughs> um, is 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 having that understanding that your patients are going to walk out of that room and create their own story about what just happened. Mm. And is it going to be a story of you trying to rush through everything and not listening and just putting your head in the computer? Or is it going to be a story of this physician, this provider was really there for me, really cared, really listened? And, and you as the provider have that ability to, to help that patient shape their own story. So with that, Dr. Jeff Polish, go learn more at themonty.org. Thank you so much for joining us here at MAPTCon 2022. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great day.
1: This is MedEd Media.